everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Unfiltered Supporter Show, Chase. The Unfiltered Supporter Show is now on the air. Hey, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. So uh, you have a story you've been waiting for. Well, it's it's not a huge story. Now it's all built up. It's really built up, but oh, it's a good story. Should we? Okay, hold on. No, it's a so, good story. It's a uh, short what? story. What you got going on? Nothing, Chase? What? It's a short story. Okay. Well, tell me what it is. All right. So as you probably already realize, I know a lot of Chris's. Sure. It's a common problem I have, actually. I mean, for example, you, you know. Chris Fisher, I, I know uh, Chris Stevenson over there at Pogo Linux, which you'll see uh, this week, hopefully. Probably, well, I'd say at this point, maybe not. About a forty percent chance. All right, so uh, maybe you might see this week, you might not. I, I, yeah, because you know, there's a couple of other factors involved with that. Oh, I know. Release, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about, but and, uh, it's yeah. it's a maybe, maybe. Yeah. But anyway, there's a Chris Stevenson that I know there. If you're from the local area, there's a guy by the name of Chris Cashman that I know as well. He hosted One Versus 100 on Xbox Live. He's also involved in local comedy. So there's a lot of Chris's that I know. So, you know, I, I tell Catherine, my wife, I say, hey, honey, I'm I'm heading over to Chris's house today. Hey, lady. Hey. That's not how we do it. I, had an order. I don't do it like that. I had an order at Chris's house today. Hello, everybody. Hey, little lady. Hi, everybody. What's it up? Harry Carey. I don't want to, little lady, I don't want to confuse you. Cow. But I'm heading over to Chris's house. So I say that to her. I say, I'm heading over to Chris's house. And she goes, who? I'm like, Chris. She's like, which one? And so one day, and this happened like a couple days ago one day, she, she says, so, um, so are, you, are you going over to see Lab Coat today? I'm like, who? Lab Coat. It's a doctor's coat, apparently. I thought it was a lab coat, too, but apparently... According to the audience, it's a doctor's coat. But now, you are now known as Lab Coat. You don't even have a name anymore, Chris. You are a Lab Coat to her. Oh, man. So I wanted to show you Ubuntu Touch. And let me guess, it crashed. No, it's it, dead. It, 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 right now, I don't know what's up, but it's literally using the entire battery on the Nexus 5 <laughs> in like 10 minutes. I had it on the charger all day. Uh, but I want you to see it and see what you the think. Only, the only problem is Bayer, if that's how you pronounce your name, Catherine's with a K. Not with a C. Here's what I want to do. Sorry. Here's what I want to do. I want to get your first hand on impressions with Ubuntu Touch. Uh, but first, I'm going to play a clip, and while that clip you, plays, I got to go like get a, get a USB charger. or okay, something. Okay, so you want impressions? Is this for the the yeah, Tech Talk just, today? Yeah, is this well, just just out of my own curiosity? Well, what, 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 about it. Wait, what show are we doing? This is unfiltered. Damn, I always get confused. Okay, I know it's hard. It's hard. I mean, uh, all right. So we got so much freaking pre-show. It's kind of stupid. Freaking. It's it makes me hey, so angry. Don't freaking call so, Beacon. Why don't we start with our first like most very visual heavy thing? So if you're not if you didn't download the unfilter uh, video version, you won't be too screwed this week. But here's one clip that's pretty much all visuals because it's George H W freaking Bush. Oh, is he jumping out of an airplane? Jumping out of an airplane. George Bush celebrating his 90th birthday today. He jumped out of a helicopter. Harnessed Sergeant of First Class Mike Elliott, a retired don't drop him of the Army's parachute team. Bush skydived with Elliot five years ago when he was the, uh, well, let's see, what was it, uh, 85, and now he's 90. Incredible. Happy birthday, Mr. President. There he goes. Now watch, he'll come in for the landing. Oh, this is the money clip? This is the money shot right here. So he comes in. Now look at the, this is, they. of course they do. They made a big party out of this. Yeah. Look at that, look at that house, first of all. That's quite the house. So he's done this like every fifth birthday, right? Well, every five years. There you jumps. go. Boom. 
Look, you can tell a, lap, uh, a helicopter has landed in that spot a few times, too. Man, it's good to be the king. It's good to be the king. Good well, to be the king. when you become president, Chris... Uh, president Chris here. You want to hand me that bell real quick? Uh, thank you, sir. President Chris here, Chase, and uh, I'm ready to... Uh, should I jump out of uh, as like a thing? Should I jump out of... Uh, well, Out of we, airplanes? Hey, if you're 90 and you're doing a tandem jump, more more power to you. Yeah, no kidding. More power. More power to you. No kidding for shizzles. Uh, I'm. I mean, I'm pretty impressed by that. Even if you are just doing a tandem thing, uh, you know, he's he's a hardcore dude. He's he used to run the CIA. He knows what's up. Oh, but honey, honey, Bush don't care. We go way back. He knows what's up. Well, we we just had a beer the other day. Yeah, you and your buddy Bush. Yeah, I know. I have a lot of beer buddies. So let me find us a longish clip, and I'll go get you a USB charger so we can get your... Uh... Man, it's funny I, how it burns you, through you, the... You, uh... you keep talking about all the outside things that we should be doing. I think you should wear a GoPro. Yeah. And we do, hey, I just jumped out of an airplane, That'd be good. and I'm switching, switching to, Linux. to Linux. Yeah. That, like, it'd be great if like I was above with a GoPro and you were below. And, and I'd, I'd just be like... Yeah. And it'd be subtitles. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> All right, this one's a, got a local flair, Chase, so I'll play this for you while we go. While I go. Ooh, King 5. Ooh. King 5 broke the story today that another oh, I can't get that right. got exposed to unknown chemical go. vapors this morning at the nuclear site, right bringing back. the total to 37 people now since mid-March. Uh, these toxic vapor events prompted King 5 investigator Susanna Frame to report on the human toll of Hanford's dirty secrets. In her latest story, she reveals a pattern of delays and denials for workers who get sick and apply for a program set up just for them by the Department of Labor. How many of you believe that you or your loved one got sick from working at Hanford? I did. I did. All these people belong to a club they never wanted to join. They've either lost a loved one or are extremely sick after working at Hanford. Exposed to toxic chemicals, heavy metals and solvents at the most contaminated work site in America. When you've gotten sick, how many of you feel like the government kind of turned its back on you? I do. Barbara and Dick Simonis on the right both have a degenerative lung disease that causes emphysema called COPD. Ron Stevens has that and more. I've got uh, kidney failure. I've got uh, cancer. I'm in remission for stage four throat cancer and uh, COPD. Scott Passage's COPD is so advanced, he's coping with just 28% 28% lung capacity. Uh, I'm supposed to be on oxygen 24-7. Dale Gear worked in the Hanford tank farms for 26 years, where he says the safety teams told him he was protected from metals like mercury and lead. Now he's sick with COPD and brain damage. How'd you like to breathe that crap in as safety says everything's okay? I lost my stomach about a year and a half ago to cancer. At 49, Terry Wattenberger is constantly in and out of the hospital with COPD, two types of cancer and a muscle disease. Two years ago, he appeared healthy with a full light in front of him. Since then, he's lost 70 pounds and is struggling to hang on. So you feel like working there is going to end your life? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. 
Being sick isn't the yeah. only thing this group has in common. Each one has applied for financial help through a U.S. Department of Labor program. It was set up 15 years ago specifically for sick workers who did the secret and dangerous nuclear defense work for the country throughout the Cold War and the ongoing cleanup. But after applying, they all found themselves fighting. And I fought and I fought and I fought them. And, I, and I, I, it's a losing battle. The Department of Labor accepts that the workers in our group interview were exposed to toxins like arsenic, ammonia, asbestos, and cadmium, a metal with radioactive isotopes. But doctors hired by Department of Labor contractors found working at Hanford was not a significant factor in causing, contributing to, or even aggravating their illnesses. So they deny it, although it seems so obvious. And what's so frustrating about it is... It's a, it, I wish we I wish we handled this type of energy source better because it's such a such it's such an efficient way for us to generate energy. So it's it's a damn shame. So what do you think of that Ubuntu touch there, Chase? What's your well, first hands-on impression? So obviously I have to work my way around the UI a little bit because you have to swipe from the edge to get that that sub menu to pop out and stuff. Uh, but so far it seems interesting to me. Um, it's a little bit different, but cool. I, it's hard to put into words, but I like how you can like quickly switch between open apps by just swiping from the right edge. Um, and seems- some apps have different functionality. If you pull down from the bottom, check out how you get the settings. You slide down from the top there. Yeah. Before you go all the way down, move your finger to the right and left. So like, slide it down and slide it, slide the slider down, oh, okay. and then stop like like right there. Go up a little bit and like now move your finger to the right and left. And you're switching to between different setting options you can control. So that's how you oh, get to the settings. Oh, at the very very top. Yeah. That, so that's, that's essentially the settings menu. That's pretty innovative, actually. Yeah, it's a little hard to get the hang of, but when you realize you're switching between the icons and the top bar there, it makes yeah. a little more sense. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense. Uh, all right, so you know uh, you know your girl, uh, Chelsea Clinton? Ooh, you mean the clippity-clop's daughter? Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that she was on a annual salary from NBC News for $600,000? Holy crap! Yeah, so the Young Turks did a good job breaking this one down, so I wanted to play oh, it for you guys. Oh, and speaking of clippity-clop, you know, she's in town. Oh, she's really? signing books. Yeah, she's doing her book tour. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have some clips from her later in the show. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I should probably unmute. Chelsea Clinton made six hundred thousand dollars a year from NBC. Now it's amazing. She's been working there since twenty eleven. Uh, she only did nine reports for them in that amount of time. Nine reports. And in the last eighteen months, she'd only done two reports. Period. Six hundred thousand dollars a year. Eighteen month. Wait, eighteen months. Two reports. Six hundred thousand dollars a year. That's a page, man. I, I'm in the wrong job. I'm out of here. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, you just uh, need to uh, uh, hold on before you go. Yeah. Make sure you have uh, wealthy royalty parents. Oh, that's right. damn it. And, and it helps if their one of them was a president. This is nine hundred thousand dollars worth of salary. Two reports. That's four hundred and fifty thousand dollars for a couple of minutes of television. Now, I said on the program. That is not just because she's a celebrity and we just believe in royalty in this country. No, 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 no. It's NBC basically doing a favor to the Clinton family, looking for political favors down the road. Now, some were cynical about that idea, saying, hey, wait a minute now. How do you know? That doesn't seem like it's quite fair. Well, the battle has been joined by Michael Hilsick, uh, and he couldn't agree more, apparently. In fact, what I love about his story in the L.A. Times is that he took it a step further by actually watching all nine appearances by Chelsea Clinton. What a concept. That's my favorite wow. part of the story. We're going to get to that in a second. First of all, uh, his conclusion based on watching all of this and seeing the details of it, 
He says, no, it wasn't just for celebrity, and obviously it wasn't because of journalism. She had absolutely zero experience in journalism. He says, quote, plainly, it was done to curry favor with the Clinton family. And then he explains, as I did on Friday's show, this was not NBC's first effort to kiss up to a powerful family. Ready it was for the this? last. In 2009, the network hired George W. Bush's daughter, Jenna, as a correspondent from the Today Show. Subsequently, Meghan McCain, daughter of Senator John McCain, and Abby Huntsman, daughter of one-time GOP presidential hopeful John Huntsman, had gigs as political commentators on MSNBC. Now... This is when he takes out the lead pipe and the blowtorch and goes to work on NBC and Chelsea Clinton for taking this job. He says, look, just as I I get uh, why you're going to want to take a whole heap of money, but you can do something better with your life, as he says at the end. But first, let me explain uh, his ana- analysis here. He says, if journalism is defined as publishing information that the subjects of your reporting don't wish to be made public, then it's hard to find any journalism in Clinton's oeuvre whatsoever. I hate that word. Anyway, every piece we reviewed appeared to be painstakingly engineered to give no offense to anyone. Looked at all the journalism that Chelsea Clinton did at NBC News and found no such thing. It was just all incredible milk toast to make sure her career is protected in case she wants to get into politics, to make sure NBC News is protected so they don't take any political heat from Democrats or, more importantly, in her case, Republicans. Everything is just manufactured perfectly so that it does not offend a single soul. By the way, there's no evidence that the ratings were any better, better under Chelsea uh, Clinton. And, uh, by the way, the main program that she uh, appeared on was canceled. Yeah. So. It's not like they did it for the ratings and, uh, hey, that's television. Welcome to show business. No, they did it to curry favor. Yep. He said Clinton did a couple more uplifting pieces about people making a difference. And then suddenly, like water finding its own level, she was down to fawning celebrity profiles. Damn. Okay. That's much harsher than I went to. But he looked at all the pieces, and he said, we start with like, oh, look at this wonderful person doing this wonderful thing. And the Republicans say, hey, you know what? Uh, See, you don't need the government. You have all these wonderful people who can do it. And liberals are like, oh, look at this kind-hearted woman doing wonderful things for America. Everybody's so happy. Nobody actually watches, but everybody's so happy, especially NBC and its parent corporations and the government uh, that they're in cahoots with, whether it's Democratic or Republican governments. And then here comes my favorite parts, although I actually kind of feel bad for Chelsea Clinton, the way that Michael Hilsick ripped her up, or at least her reporting. Of course, he has no objection to her personally, and neither do I. He says she She told us how Stella McCartney, the fashion designer daughter of Paul McCartney, has taken tremendous risks for her principles, including making clear to Gucci from the beginning she would not work with leather. (laughs) I love the sarcasm in that. Ooh, tell us how brave Stella McCartney was. Hmm, what did she do with Gucci? And then he explains, last April came the scraping of the bottom. Here we go. An utterly canned interview with Geico's trademark gecko. The segment dressed up as a, quote, look at some of the most popular television advertisements. A hiring that started out as merely cynical had become its own parody. <laughs> so this is uh, Mozilla OS. That's that Firefox OS. Firefox Don't OS. call it Fire OS. Don't call it Fire OS. So obviously this feels a lot more buggier, believe it or not, than the other. Um, however... Uh, <clears throat> I, mean, I think I saw version one of this a long time ago. You showed it to me probably 50 episodes ago. Yeah. Um, I uh, I like how it looks. And it's 
pretty decently snappy. Don't you think it's Android looky? Oh yeah, there's a lot of Android. Yeah, like especially if you go into the settings. Yeah, it feels like Android, like right with the menus and stuff. This feels like Android all the way. All this. Yeah. 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 But not um, too snappy. So you remember Michael Hastings, the uh, reporter that uh, died in the Mercedes car crash? Yep. And uh, do you know what one of the big stories that he w- had worked on was? No. Turns out it was an in-depth, I mean, and we're talking in-depth, like the go-to piece on Bo Bergdahl. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Let's listen a little bit about that. Journalist Michael Hastings was killed in a car accident in Los Angeles a year ago this week. He was 33 years old. He was alone in the vehicle when it crashed at high speed. And almost immediately after the news broke that he had died, conspiracy theories started to circulate online and elsewhere that his death could not have been an accident. He must have been murdered. He must have been killed because of his work. And in the years since he died, those conspiracy theories have largely faded away, except in the wilder corners of the Internet, which never give up on a conspiracy theory. But you don't have to believe in those crazy theories, and I don't, uh, to understand why people leapt to that kind of conclusion about his death. Michael Hastings was a young man who was still very much on the upward trajectory of his career. But in the time that we had with him here on Earth, he had a knack in his work for upsetting powerful people. His reporting for a Rolling Stone magazine piece called The Runaway General it won a George Polk Award. It resulted in the resignation of the commander of U.S. and NATO forces in Afghanistan, General Stanley McChrystal. Michael's you know, powerful enemies. No, really, Panic really powerful. 2012 took a scythe, not just to the re-election campaign of the sitting president, but also to the press corps that tries to make its own bones every four years by covering campaigns like that according to the campaign's own rules. In Panic 2012, Michael Hastings turned the phrase off the record into an epithet that damned both the newsmakers setting that as a condition for talking, but also the journalists who accepted those terms. His book about the Iraq war and the death of his American fiance, my friend Andy Parhamovich. Uh, Andy died in a militant attack in Baghdad in 2007. That book was a heartbreaking and personal story about the war and about that personal relationship. But even then, Michael's reporting pulled no punches and spared no feelings when it came to apportioning blame for why that attack happened. And now, a year since he's been gone and Michael's work turns out, is back at the center of the news. And it turns out, no surprise, it's as upsetting and as relevant as ever. And it's happening on two different stories at the same time. First, there's the release of U.S. prisoner of war Bo Bergdahl after five years imprisonment at the hands of the Taliban. When President Obama made the shock announcement two weeks ago that Bo Bergdahl had been released... You want to know what happened all over the country, coast to coast? Every journalist in the country who was going to be covering that story started reading Michael Hastings again. Because Michael had written for Rolling Stone the definitive profile of Sergeant Bergdahl and his family. And he'd written it two years before the release happened. All the details about Bo Bergdahl's unit having disciplinary problems and Sergeant Bergdahl's interests before he went to war and once he got there, his detailed emails home about his combat experiences and how he felt about the war. His father emailing Bo Bergdahl that all-cap subject line, obey your conscience. 
how Bo Bergdahl left the base that he left in Afghanistan, all the U.S. intelligence intercepts of Taliban conversations after he'd gone missing, the fact that Sergeant Bergdahl was right at the center of American efforts to negotiate peace terms with the Taliban. If you heard anyone talk about those details about Sergeant Bo Bergdahl when he first got out two weeks ago, it's because the person you heard talking about it had just gone back and read Michael Hastings's definitive profile of Bo Bergdahl and the Bergdahl family, which Rolling Stone had published in June 2012. To absolutely no acclaim and not much attention, but it was the definitive account of what happened. When Bo Bergdahl got out, the deal that sealed his release was the exact same deal that was negotiated with the Taliban fully two years beforehand. And we know that specifically because Michael Hastings reported it two years ago, a year before he died. And tomorrow, when this novel is published, Michael Hastings will once again be right back in the center of the news, right back in the middle of the most important story in the country. Because it turns out that as the media right now is once again turning credulously to members of the George W. Bush administration to have them spin a case for yet more war in Iraq, it turns out that while we are doing that again as a country right now, the novel that Michael Hastings had lurking on his computer hard drive, which is being published tomorrow, turns out that book is a laugh-out-loud, totally uncompromising screamer of a novel about how the media blew it so badly when it came to the war in Iraq. The magazine in the book is a very, very thinly disguised Newsweek magazine where Michael uh, indeed worked as an intern and later as a reporter. That's where he was working when I first met him and made friends with him. Uh, Fareed Zakaria and Jonathan Meacham have, again, very, very thinly veiled starring roles as media personalities, uh, media brands, and not in a good way. Uh, there's a website called Wretched.com, which seems to be 90% Gawker.com and maybe 10% <laughs> Media Matters, although I'm happy to be st stood corrected if need be. Uh, one of the Go Invade Iraq guys named Daniel Pipes, he makes an appearance in Michael's book. So one of the things that you can kind of see where she's getting at, uh, I uh, hadn't watched this far into the clip earlier, <clears throat> but I too, in fact, very judiciously worked this week to try not to clip a bunch of Bush, previous Bush administration officials. And when we do end up having some in the show, I tried to mark it as such on the clip to make a mention. Right. They are coming back in full force. Everybody from Cheney down to guys that were planning stuff are back on the media making the case to go into Iraq this week. Yep. Same guys. Same guys. Same, same guys. guys and same storylines almost. I mean, very similar stuff. Do you, uh, you want to hear uh, a little Nixon conspiracy theory that Ooh. has been proven true? Whoa, yeah. Let's do that. All right, well, a still secret report from a former Nixon aide confirms what many have already suspected, that President Richard Nixon and campaign manager John Mitchell sabotaged Vietnam War peace talks in order to win the 1968 elections. Now, let's let that sink in for a second. What she's saying is that the chief, the guy that ran Nixon's presidential campaign, sent a letter to stall peace talks that would end the Vietnam War so that way it wouldn't hurt Nixon's chances of getting elected. Imagine how many people on both sides died for an election trick. Just right there. Yep. In an oral history yep. released by the National Archives, Nixon White House aide Tom Charles Huston elaborated on the president's involvement. He said... Over the years, as I've studied it, I've concluded that there was no doubt that Nixon was, would have been directly involved, that it's not something that anybody would have undertaken on their own. 
Huston created the report under orders from the Nixon White House to look into allegations that President Lyndon Johnson had bugged the Nixon campaign and halted the bombing of North Vietnam, all in an effort to fuel peace talks and orchestrate an October surprise to help Democratic candidate Hubert Humphrey win the election. Huston's report concluded that not only was LBJ's White House guilty of bugging the Nixon campaign, but that Nixon and Mitchell played an active role in derailing the peace summit in Paris by promising South Vietnam better terms if they hindered the peace talks. Nixon's obstruction sparked President Johnson to accuse Nixon of treason to Republican Senator Everett Dirksen of Illinois in this private recording. Take a listen. Are some of our folks... This is Johnson speaking. Lyndon Johnson. Including some of the old China lobby are going to the Vietnamese embassy and saying, please notify the president that if he'll hold out to November the 2nd, they could get a better deal. Uh -huh. Now, I'm reading their hand, Everett. I don't want to get this in the campaign. That's right. And they oughtn't to be doing this. This is treason. Why has it taken so long for this information? That was LBJ calling it treason, and it is treason. It is. And they knew it, but they didn't want it to get it out during the campaign. Nation to finally be released. Jeez. Well, Huston had this to say about Nixon and Johnson. I think there was an implicit understanding between two very politically sophisticated people who had been in the arena for a very long time to say, hey, look, this thing is over. You know, neither of us are going to gain anything by stirring up this pot. So there you have it, 40 years later and still a lot to learn about the Nixon presidency, which is, of course, which, of course, ended in his resignation. Of course, got to remind us of that, of course. How could we forget? Uh, yeah, uh, so the Nixon campaign investigated LBJ to see if he was wiretapping them, discovered he was wiretapping them. Nixon discovered, oh, my God, LBJ wiretapped us. Why was he wiretapping us? Oh, he found out about what we were going to do in Vietnam. Well, we'll just go ahead and drop that investigation then. That's like how it went down. Wow. I mean... I mean, when you hear that in retrospect, and you hear what happened, and and now you look at a lot of mirroring things, you, you see a lot of political insiders and political maneuverings. You wonder, uh, right? You wonder I, how much has changed. Well, I also heard, you know, like I, heard, I was listening to some of the news that I shouldn't be listening to, <laughs> that, uh, you know, Obama's approval rating is the lowest it's ever been. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, everybody... There was this one quote from an MSNBC. I think it was it was our good friend Chuck Todd. You know the guy I have beers with all the yeah, time. Yeah, your buddy Chuck Todd. Uh, he was he was saying that uh, pretty much Obama's done as president for the most part. Like he's just there. Before going you the go motions. there, before you go there, because yeah. I think I think we'll oh, I think we'll wrap up the supporter show there. Okay. On that topic, hey, you know I noticed that my Chromium is pull, is like pulling down like a ton of CPU right now. I think it's this damn Ustream clip I embedded in the show notes. Oh yeah, because yeah, it's got to keep it, it, it like active. Uh, or something? So I think you're, I think you and AJ, your buddy Alex Jones, yeah, you guys are on the same page. Oh no, 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 no. yeah, yeah, no, check I'm, it out. I'm never on the same. No, no. you and AJ, I think are no. one on one. one, no, on no, one. No, I like Shoot mustaches. Have a few wind up toy PR actors come out with the official story. The cops won't even know what's going on. He's saying that uh, the government is using false flags to force a civil do war. Do they? Do they have uh, mustaches? The cops were really killed. The citizen was really killed. The so-called shooters are gotten rid of. And now you can project it on to who? Super Patriots, right wing, Tea Party, Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, Alex Jones. If I was the globalist, what would I do? What would you do, Alex? I see it in the movies and their internal documents. They were starting to promote it to the public, but telling cops it was coming. 
that the Tea Party was going to come out and shoot them and kill them, and that and that and that every small town will be IED'd. Every cop listening knows they've been trained in this in the last six years. That you will be attacked by U.S. military uh, veterans. You know, this is this is what makes Alex's show work. Is there is a little underlying truth to what he's saying? Like they are freaking cops out about veterans. Like we were just talking about that we recently. Talked about it last week, I believe. Yeah, it was last week on so, the show. Like when you hear him go, when you hear him say something, like yeah, you know what? They are doing that. But you gotta, you gotta. You got to listen through the rest. Telling cops it was coming, that the Tea Party was going to come out and shoot them and kill them, and that and that and that every small town will be IED'd. Every cop listening knows they've been trained in this in the last six years. That you will be attacked by U.S. military uh, veterans. Total crud. So when it starts, that's the official story. It, it, it tells you. And again, if they hype it enough, there might be mentally ill vets or something that might do it. So you prime the pump like like a. Starter plug, you know, we sit there and press on the four-wheeler to put some gas in before you start it. The opposite of the choke. The primer. They prime it and do a few more copycat cop killer deals. There's so many people on serotonin reuptake inhibitors that are in a dream state, they will march out like programmable zombies and start shooting cops. <laughs> and I estimate in the Civil War, 300,000 police will die. I estimate if the military marches out against the gun owners... Half a million dead. Two million dead on the side of the Patriots. Oh, my God. Won't matter. We'll have another 10 million where that came from. But it'll be a real war once they start it. We've got to stop the Civil War. Stop the Civil War. Don't kill cops. That half mustaches. Don't do it. I like how he he throws in don't kill cops at the end to make it, you know, to be able to couch it as a look. I'm not encouraging anything. I'm saying don't do it. Uh, all right. Okay. We got some more things we got to do, and then we got to go. We got to get. Th I want to try to start the show by six thirty, I think, because we got so much. Uh, why don't we start with? Uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna break my rule where we kind of work towards our topic in the oh, pre-show. Oh no! Because are uh, we taking a step back now? I want to. Well, I, I we're gonna shift gears to ISIS and kind oh, of. Oh, uh, so we're watching some Archer? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? In Mosul, Iraq's second largest city, ISIS struck gold, literally. They robbed that city's central bank, taking a large amount of gold and an estimated $430 million. A smash and grab like that, some experts predict, could make them the richest terror organization in the world. The Council on Foreign Relations reports most of ISIS's financing comes from smuggling, extortion, and other crimes. ISIS is even cashing in on oil, selling crude from oil fields they took control of in northern Syria right back to the Syrian government. The New York Times reports ISIS is also selling electricity from captured power plants back to the government too. <laughs> they also do a lot of the traditional terrorist fundraising activities, kidnapping, robbing, thieving, involved in, they're involved in the drug trade, they have money laundering schemes. In the Daily Beast, Josh Rogan reports that ISIS has also been funded for years by wealthy private donors living in countries the U.S. considers allies, countries like Kuwait, Qatar, and Saudi Arabia, and that those governments, says Rogan, know it's happening but choose to look away. The governments could have some plausible deniability and say they weren't funding them directly. At the very least, they were looking the other way. Now back to the numbers. If you do the math, ISIS may be worth at least $500 million after that last That's attack a nice new on that bank in Mosul. 
In 2011, the Taliban was said to be worth an estimated $70 million to $400 million. Even al-Qaeda can't compete. Al-Qaeda had an operating budget of about $30 million a year before the 9-11 attacks. And all of this cash on hand only allows ISIS to attract more extremist fighters who are drawn to higher salaries. Big money also helps ISIS finance large-scale prison raids, liberating hundreds of fighters who then join their ranks. ISIS is a group that can't be negotiated with. The more resources they have, the more aggressive they'll be, the more violent they're going to be. Elevating the risk in the Middle East and potentially around the globe. Randy Kay, CNN, New York. I like how that Daily Beast guy just throws it. You can't, you can't negotiate with him. And now that's fact. We just made that fact. That's just CNN fact right there. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, let me do another pass here. Um, wow. Oh, okay, real quick. Glenn Beck has an idea of how we could handle the situation. Man, we're, you know what? We're going to get hate. I, I know we're going to get hate. Too much for, right-wing stuff? Well, I, I just... Well, no, we had Rachel Maddow on. Yeah, and then we had, and we had Young Turks, today too. And Young Turks, yeah. So, no, I'm, I'm just saying, we're going to get hate for one thing or the other. I know, I know. Well, hopefully the supporters are cool. Uh, all right, so uh, this is what Beck thinks uh, Obama ought to be doing. If I'm president of the United States of America, here's what I do today. I give a speech. The United States of America is 100% behind the nation of Israel. We put our chips behind the nation of Israel. We are not going to send ground troops, but they have a right to defend themselves. And all options, yes, the nuclear option, is on the table for them. (laughs) Whatever they have to do to defend themselves, the United States of America backs them. The rest of you, you know what? We did our best. You know, I have a sense of who's uh, paying Glenn Beck's uh, paychecks these days. Oh? I, yeah, I think maybe it starts with an I and ends with Israel. Uh, I have the, uh, the rest. That'd, that'd be Israel. That'd be two I's, actually. I have the rest in the show notes if you guys want to watch it. Um, okay, because we've got to move. And including uh, a quest to make fast food look more like the picture. That's in there, too, but we didn't get a chance to play Aww. that. Yeah, I know. I know. Didn't, I thought it, McDonald's actually showed it own, their own video clip on that. Real quick, uh, real quick, Hillary Clinton on Putin, and then we're going to get to and she's uh, here in town. Chase's uh, pick of the week. You write in your book something pretty funny. You talk about uh, going to see Putin on something. Anyway, he takes you into his office, yes. and he then yes. asks if Bill Clinton would like to go tagging I uh, polar bears in the Arctic. Yes. Really macho, right? Yes. yes. And you say, well, I'll see about his schedule, but otherwise I'll go. <laughs> I did. Yeah, but the funny is that he gave you a funny look. Is it this woman? <laughs> yes. Yeah, right? well, he so and I have you... a, um, a long-distance verbal volleying relationship. Uh, <laughs> you know, most recently, uh, the volley came from him, and I've been trying to return it to him. Um, that was over Ukraine. It was over, well, it was over Ukraine. She's so funny. It's like she's president already. I just, ah. Um, And I have criticized him uh, for the uh, invasion and uh, annexation of Crimea and the continuing destabilization of eastern Ukraine, which I think is very dangerous and and just plain wrong in, uh, in 2014 for European countries to be doing that. And also that I believe Russia has missed a great opportunity to... Uh, really uh, modernize its economy, not be dependent upon oil and gas, open it up more so it's not just, you know, in the possession of some of the oligarchs and, and cronies of Putin. Oh, says, oh, 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 the irony there is so good. I know. I was, oh, 
Oh, you know what? I she hates cronies, and she hates it when the oligarchs uh, just run the country. Chase, she just hates that. You know, you know, you know what I hate hearing. I hear it hearing. You know, you know, Russia. Russia had a chance, Chris, to yeah. modernize. Yeah, they're just and not a gas de- and, and not be dependent on on foreign oil. Yeah. Does she forget where she lives in? I know. Does she forget what we go to war for? Right, and like. Like how we like are right now trying to negotiate yeah. a huge pipeline from right. Canada to the Gulf of Mexico, right. and what's going to be in that pipeline, Chris? Oh, hey Chase, I think it's going to be oil. Wow, late breaking news here on the hey, show. You know what else is funny is, hey Chase, you know what's in Iraq? Oil. Yeah. Hey, hey Chris, you know what's in Saudi Arabia? Uh, um, sand. And oil. All right, uh, we we got to do this. We we got more pre-show clips. It's, it'll be in the unfiltered supporters sync. But uh, Chase called it. This has got to be our pre-show clip of the night. Clip of the night. So you. So we're gonna. We're gonna. We're, this kind of covers our topic. But uh, Chase's buddy, my buddy, Megan Kelly. <laughs> I have so many friends. Uh, she went on the uh, the. Uh, did you find this clip? I did. She went on the uh, Kelly file last night, and she rips into Obama. And I'm gonna oh. be honest. It's a little hard to say where she's wrong at. And, and you know what? So when I heard this clip, uh, I I heard it earlier today. And uh, then I sent a message to Chris. I'm like, Chris, we need to get this. And then we're like, well, it's not on the website. Yeah, they haven't. They didn't. It's not. No. But you'll we, see. There's a, it's logoed. Somebody somebody yeah. put a watermark on it. But, but somebody posted it online. But the one thing I didn't get to say to you on on chat was, yeah, how can you disagree what? with what she's saying? I, I listened to the whole clip. I can't. I know. So so here's the thing. Devastating. I it's know we, devastating. we I know we injected our opinion a little bit. But yeah. take take a listen. Yeah. And, and, and please tell us where is she wrong in saying what she says. Welcome to the Kelly File, everyone. I'm Megyn Kelly. Breaking tonight is Barack Obama's presidency imploding. Al-Qaeda is resurging. Iraq is disintegrating. And now we may look to Iran to help us stop it. Iran. A terrorist <laughs> regime responsible for the deaths of thousands of I'm Americans. Watching. What could possibly go wrong? We have drawn red lines in Syria we refuse to enforce. We stood by as Russia seized part of Ukraine. And now we are releasing top Taliban leaders as the Afghanistan war is still going. Not to worry, they tell us Qatar's going to watch him. For- now, okay, that is all technically true. However, you could also argue it wasn't our place to defend Crimea. No. Nope. And you could also argue that that swap of those prisoners kind of made sense. If you look in the and, context, we were going to release them anyways. And, and, we, and we've we've done it before in history. Right. It's not like it set a precedent. I mean, you can keep nailing him for the fact that he right. broke the law with the uh, notification hey, to Congress. Hey, Chris, you're trying to be fair and balanced here like Fox. Well, no, I mean, she's right, but she's, she's, she's dead on from a certain perspective. Yes. But from a more centered position, she's still getting him on points. But I think there's some debate about the validity. But I'm going to let her keep going because— Genuinely looks confused. Girl is girl is upset, and I love, I love that. Look at that look. Look at that face. Don't let her piss you off. I think, boy, yeah, look in those eyes. She might eat you. Terrorist regime responsible for the deaths of thousands of Americans. What could possibly go wrong? We have drawn red lines in Syria we refuse to enforce. We stood by as Russia seized part of Ukraine. And now we are releasing top Taliban leaders as the Afghanistan war is still going. Not to worry, they tell us Qatar's going to watch them for a year, we hope. Domestically, we have a president who has lost the trust of the American people by repeatedly misleading them. He bypasses Congress, the people's representatives, on matters ranging from Obamacare to immigration law to the point where one of the most respected liberal law professors in the country has called our president the very danger the Constitution was designed to avoid. 
I would describe the last few presidents like that, actually. Yeah, fair the enough. The American public overwhelmingly regrets Obamacare. Our veterans are dying, waiting to see doctors. The IRS intimidates conservative groups. The southern border is compared to a sieve. And the president assures us not to worry. Smiling, golfing, and at this very moment, partying with fashion queen Anna Wintour. Because the fundraising never stops. Not when four Americans die in Benghazi, and not when Baghdad is at the brink. Joining us now with reaction, our senior political analyst, Britt Hume. Britt Hume! Britt? Britt? Well, that's a pretty powerful indictment, uh, Megan, and, and I kind of wish I could take issue with any of its individual parts, and I really can't. In fact, I would add one more thing, which is that if you think of the issue that elected Barack Obama, the issue that, that was an avalanche on the Republican ticket in 2008, it was the economy. And here we are now, how many years into this administration, uh, we have not had anything like the robust recovery that we're accustomed to seeing after recessions, and especially, indeed, after deep recessions. The unemployment rate is still persistently high, it's, and it's down from what it was, but mostly that's because the workforce has been shrunk. Not exactly a great achievement. So, yeah. I, I Remember, I talked about this on the show a couple weeks ago, how the workforce has shrunk yeah. to its lowest levels. Uh, and I just saw an article earlier today. I, I was trying to find it here, um, and I'm not. See, the thing I take issue with is essentially they are technically correct. All of these things are true, uh, but maybe our economy is in the shitter because we spent a trillion dollars in Iraq. Well, it's also you know you've been over to my house, and I have a death and taxes <laughs> poster in my bathroom, and you look at the uh, the split. It's not an even split. We put nearly sixty five percent. Of our budget towards military. Yeah, well, I know. And it's like, hello. <laughs> it, it seems like <clears throat> you have you have companies out there in the United States that have positions open right now. And they are waiting a record amount of time to fill those positions. Sometimes 28 to 32 days on average to fill one position. And that's not because there's enough qualified candidates out there. It's because there's still a lot of uncertainty in the market guess, and in the economy. I guess what makes me sick is uh, we have been on a, st- a steady decline for over 30 years, and instead of actually addressing the problem, they use it as a political football. They pass it back and forth between each other. So now that Obama's been in office for long enough, they can they can lay the blame on him for a lot of things, saying, well, look, he's had seven years to fix this up. Why hasn't he done it yet? It's a failed presidency. He had seven years. Like really, the first couple of years, right? They could keep blaming. They could keep blaming but Bush. I, I mean, the thing is, it's it's, so it's a perfect it, timing. And it, but it's not just it's not just Obama. It's not just Bush. right. Exactly. It's it, yeah. It's it's the pattern I mean, of behavior. At, let's start with uh, let's start with what led to the two thousand eight crash. That would be Clinton deregulating the financial industry and letting them have at it. Mm-hmm. So that was that's on Clinton, right? What is Sarbanes Oxley? That's on. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily. No, but I mean, I hated a, socks myself, but yeah. yeah, that's also a Clinton thing. Yeah, but uh, well, I'm but talking a, more specifically about the deregulation. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, Obama is definitely responsible for some of it, and she's right. Like in the point about misleading the public and essentially letting everybody down. All those are fair points, I think. I the way I always see these kind of things is. Look at your budget. Look at my budget. Look at any family's budget that looks... You guys out there who listen to this show and watch this show, we don't have the ability to go back and say, hey, you know what? Hey, hey, uh, boss, 
My boss's name is Guy, by the way. Hey, Guy, listen. Oh, my gosh, it's Anderson Cooper. Or, 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 or Anderson Cooper. Right. I don't go, hey, man, you know, I blew through my budget this month. <laughs> and uh, you know what I you know what I really need? I need another, uh, we'll just call it uh, $15,000. Yeah. You just, we just can't do that, right? We right. have to work within our means. Yeah. And it, it always bothers me to see a government go, you know what, we're just going to raise, we're just going to, we're just going to. Print more Tomorrow, money. Yeah. We're just gonna print. We're just gonna print. We're just gonna print, <clears throat> and then all all of a sudden things just start falling apart. Yep. And and then what happens is then you have something like Obamacare, which you know Chris and myself we are you know we had to pay f- into. If we didn't, we would be penalized by the IRS or whatever the case may be. And then what happens is if you are so lucky to say still be employed out there, you know, and you're and you're working for a company with benefits. And your hours didn't get cut. Well, I commend you, because with the requirements, well, employees need to be given benefits if they're working over thirty-two hours. I think it is. So you have employment uh, employment uh, companies cutting those hours back, so they don't have to give you benefits. You know, all these weird things that just start to add up, and really start to screw us. Yeah, up. yeah, exactly. It, it it does all add up, doesn't it? There was a. Do you think we have to? Uh, do you think uh, we have to kill the fans before we start? What do you think? I haven't heard them. To you, be honest, you with don't you. hear it right now. Wait, I think I hear a little more because I have the in ears. But yeah, if you don't think it's that bad, no. then we should just leave it on because it's nice. Yeah. Keeps it nice and comfy in here, you know. Yeah. Hey Chase, you know what? What? And that people is what grinds my gears. Tom? Mm-hmm. But you guys, you know, seriously, you guys, you know, it's you know doing these internet broadcasts, you know, and uh, <laughs> where's my wait a minute? I'm looking for where's my Ducktales? Where's wait, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Well, how can it not be there? How can it not be there? I mean, this is, wait a minute, this is a different computer. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hmm. I mean, I've got, no, that's, that's not really That's gonna, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, it's good, though. It's kind of, that's not bad, actually. Yeah, that's not bad. I'll I, take I it. I can get on this. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Chris Fisher, come on down! <laughs> Oh, I'm so excited. You are the first contestant of The Price is Right. All right, do I do an intro now? Okay. All right, I could do an intro. This is up tells her. Oh, whoa. Uh, yeah, the Senate is a problem. I agree. All right, chat room, don't forget to bang suggest as this S goes. We need your insightful comments. We need your excellent titles, and we definitely need your votes at the end of the show. So bang suggest as we go, ladies and gentlemen, for episode 102 on the June 18th. And it begins in a three. Are you going to type through the whole intro? No. Jesus Christ. I was waiting when three, two, and I was going to stop. This is unfilter. <laughs> I got I got a little uh Should I stare? No. <laughs> Hello? I'm just worried about that fan. It's very distracting. This is Unfilter. Episode 102 for June 18th, 2014. An army of militants now controls another key city in Iraq. Thousands of people there are running away in fear. And a United States Navy ship with 550 Marines aboard is headed for the Persian Gulf. The insurgent group called ISIS took over Talifer this morning in northern Iraq. That city is near Mosul, where ISIS began a string of military victories a week ago. This terrorist organization inspired by al-Qaeda threatens an all-out battle for Baghdad. Iraq's government is increasing security in the capital. In the meantime, ISIS is bragging about an alleged massacre of Iraqi soldiers captured on camera.
Yeah, no, no, don't turn it off. No, this is Unfilter, episode 102, an ongoing continuing saga of the news that you should not be watching. And also, we clear up the confusion that ISIS is not a part of I- Archer. <laughs> My name is Chase Innes, and joining me every single week is the lovely and talented and no-pants-wearing Chris Fisher. Lana! Hello, Mr. Chase. Hey, Chris. So, yeah, today we're going to kind of explain what the hell's going on in Iraq, why yeah. we are sending troops... What really ISIS is, and it's not a part of Archer? Yeah, unfortunately, it is not. I, You know, when I heard the name the very first time, I, I was know, like, is I this know. a spoof? I, 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 I did, too. And, you know, the thing is, it's actually been around for years. Yeah. It's just, it just hasn't yeah. been really discussed a lot in the mainstream media. Yeah. Uh, so we are going to get into that today. That's probably going to be a lot of the show, and I hope you guys will stick around. It's kind of like your veggies. But guess what? We actually also have, believe it or not, can you believe this, an NSA update I, again? I, I do not believe I can't. A shocker. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. It's you're, like your good buddy, Mike Rogers. Actually, no, it's your buddy. Your buddy, Mike Rogers. <laughs> He's my your buddy. buddy. Your buddy. Your buddy. Uh, you know, Mike, I think, has got short timers. I really think Mike's got short because, you know, he's leaving soon. Yeah, he's, he's on getting, his way out. He's getting yeah. Dutch all lined up, and then Mike's going to go get his own radio show. They haven't announced when it'll be. Or Is, uh, he, is he running the 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. spot? It might be. Yeah, it might be. Uh, is it encrypted? But yeah, he, you know, he actually was talking about encryption a little oh, bit. Yeah. So the CIA, in I think maybe an effort to be more open now, held its first ever conference on national security at the Georgetown University. Huh. And uh, we have uh, about a two-hour conference embedded in the show notes if you'd like to check it nice. out. It is horrible and awful to watch. But if you do watch it, you will notice sort of the disdain that these people have for what they literally consider our childish outlook on what they do. They consider the way we view their business to be Childish and um, isn't that a childish un- uneducated? Point of- and it's and like they joke about the media, they joke about the what the public knows. Uh, it's uh, it's it's pretty infuriating to watch the isn't whole thing. Isn't that actually. childish on its own right? Yeah. by saying it's childish. They yeah, they're in like this. They're in this echo chamber where they they think they're on this mission from God. And in fact, uh, your buddy Mike Rogers was there talking about a couple of where have things. I heard that from mission from God. Is that Rush Limbaugh? A mission from Gad. And uh, <clears throat> no, he uh, he had a couple of things. One, he's kind of like vaguely st- speaking about CISPA. And then he starts talking about how if Silicon Valley and the NSA could share data in real time, maybe we could block malicious code upstream before it ever got to us. Simple oh, users. Wouldn't that be great? That would be the nice. The first thing we can and should and must do is allow the government of the United States, the NSA and other agencies to share malicious malicious source code the private sector in a classified setting in real time. They're really good. You know, our folks uh, are very good. So good. uh, At going overseas and trying to figure out what bad people are trying to do to the United States and our companies and our individuals. They're so good. And they find some really nasty things. I mean nasty things. You know, like stuff like that. They'll bring that back and protect government networks. Well, that's about 15% of the networks in the United States. The problem is 85% of the networks are private sector networks. Problem is, Chase, okay, 85% of the networks connected to the Internet, I would presume. He's not actually making a complete sentence there, but I presume he's talking about Internet-connected networks. 85% of them are private, and the NSA and the government can't protect them properly right now because they can't share all their secrets. So what we need to do, he's going to lay it out for us. Oh. He's going to solve our problem. Well, that's nice And this, by the way, is the minimum of what he'd like to and see And he's done. obviously setting up a presidential run. Obviously. <laughs> Remember, he started this. He said this is the minimum of what he'd like to see done. And despite what everyone believes, the NSA is not monitoring those networks. So they may not even see it come in to that network. And so what we have proposed, and again, in a bipartisan way, said, why don't we find the right form as as far upstream as you can get, 
<clears throat> to share those malicious source code in a way that, that, that uh, allows the, uh, for the protection of that information so the bad guys don't understand that you know, and, and that has that now been made ineffective. Uh, so your internet providers can apply that to your filters, and we keep on moving. End user would have no idea. They're not monitoring your personal or private information. Did you catch what he said there? Did you catch what they said there? Your ISP. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back it up a little bit. Listen to what he says. Understand that you know, and, and that has that now been made ineffective. Uh, so your internet providers can apply that to your filters. And- to your filters? Did you... I think he he misspoke there. I think he was trying to in, in, interpret like antivirus and stuff, but he's not he's not I, savvy. I think he's implying that we need to have filters at, up at the ISP level that filter out malicious code. In fact, here I'll let it play out. And Are I you believe mean this, like kind of like the UK porn filters, kind of like that. Made ineffective, uh, so your internet providers can apply that to your filters, and we keep on moving. End user would have no idea. They're not monitoring your personal or private information. They don't care about the content of your emails. Uh, they do care about that those those zeros and ones in the right configuration uh, that could bring down a financial institution in the United States. Oh, so to me, if we can get there, that's it's not perfect. It's not the end. It won't solve all our problems, but it is a darn good start. Good start. A good very start. nice start, sir. To do what he's talking about, if you actually were analyzing the packets, like he said, and make sure the ones and zeros in the right order, that would be pretty invasive. Yeah, you'd have totally. to get pretty yeah, invasive. Yeah, you'd yeah, have yeah. to be able to read what it is. Yeah. So then he later, so when he was referring to, uh, we have a bipartisan deal to work together. He was referring to CISPA, the deal that indemnifies providers for sharing they our can information. Do it all they want, not to have a problem. And he's gotten a little upset. And I got I got a choice quote of his in the show notes. He's gotten a little upset at uh, these tech companies who are pushing back now and slowing down his surveillance train. And I will tell you from my perch, this is the biggest national security problem the United States faces that we are not prepared to handle. Not even close. He's talking about cyber. And mainly because we haven't, as Americans, I think, shaken out this notion that when you get on the Internet... You are swimming with sharks. Oh. You're swimming with the Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians, organized crime groups from the Eastern Bloc. Especially when I'm right playing with my, you. Uh, you know, traveling where you're, movie pop, yeah, you know, yeah, especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Traveling. They're going to the sites where you're going. Right there in your own living room or home or bedroom or college dorm. What do you think of that? How great is that? He goes on to say that... Lay the uh, fear on thick. He says that uh, it makes him sick that companies like Microsoft and uh, Cisco are pushing back to protect their European business. He says, I don't know about the rest of you, but I think it offends me from the word European business. Think about what they're doing. They're willing to, in their mind, justify the importance of their next quarter's earnings in Europe versus the national security of the United States. Everybody on those boards should be embarrassed, and their CEO should be embarrassed, and their stockholders should be embarrassed. That one quarter cannot be worth the national security of the United States for the next 10 generations. Well, he, he's gone as far as saying that these companies are just unpatriotic. Right. They're they're just so bad and so evil. How dare they not want to spy on, everybody, on everyone? Everybody on these boards should be embarrassed, and their CEOs should be embarrassed, and their stockholders should be embarrassed. Should be embarrassed. So one last little story. I don't have a clip for it, but I just thought it was interesting. A story in Der Spiegel this week Der revealed... Spiegel. Der Spiegel. Reveals how the NSA facilities in the Germany in Germany include some of these new buildings we talked about that have been declassified recently, and uh, officially known as the European Technical Center. This is a, a facility that is being built. Check this out, Chase. Brand yeah. new. Uh, I'm sorry. This is a new facility. It's in. Uh, oh, I don't know how you say this. Clay Cancerine. Uh, 
It's I don't know. I'm probably getting there. <laughs> it's a German name. Yeah. So good luck with that. Uh, it's a U.S. military complex called the Consolidated Intelligence Center. Uh, the facility is going to cost 124 million dollars once it's completed. Wow, we have so much money laying around, don't we? And it will house data monitoring specialists from st- from the storage station there in Germany. I mean, uh, you know, Chris. I mean, it's one of those things when you know we we have a surplus, and you know we have so much money to yeah, spend. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're saving all that money on the, with the sequester. <laughs> hey, Chase. Yes, Chris. Speaking of money, why don't we do a little business before we jump into Iraq? Because that's really going to take a lot of our time. And, uh, you know, the Unfiltered Show is a listener-supported show what over you, on— what, What's that mean, Chris, listener-supported? Well, it means instead of advertisers, which we've had some very generous offers, uh, we take funding directly from our audience. Those of you who are consuming the very content that we talk about, the very content that we play, the very content that we make, it makes a lot of sense. If you enjoy the show, you get a little value from the show— as as Adam Curry has famously coined, value, value for, for value. value. Yeah. yeah. I don't think uh, Adam Curry appreciates Patreon, but I think it's a great system. And one of the reasons I think it's a great system is, um, unlike some other systems that we've employed and that other podcasts employ, this is very transparent. The yeah. funding's right there. You know right the where we're at. The key is transparency. You unlike know what our government. milestones are. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing is it has an interaction spot for people who are patrons where we can provide exclusive content like the Unfiltered Supporter Sh- Show. Should I, should I give them a peek? Yeah. Oh, oh, you logged in right now? Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Just give them a little yeah. peek. Uh, so we make we make a, an entirely separate show available. We sandwich it with the main show, yeah. and it includes a lot of clips and additional stuff that didn't make it into this show. Like uh, we followed uh, the Bo Bergdahl uh, story a little bit today. Uh, we followed some Hillary Clinton stuff today. What was another? What was the? Oh, uh, the Megyn Kelly clip. Megyn Kelly clip. Yeah, and also how ISIS gets its financing. We covered that and in the supporter show. And how it's not show. part of Archer. And all of the clips we make available are available to our supporters via BitTorrent sync. And, oh, and this week, almost, I think I just revealed the key. Oh, oh. no. Uh oh! Did you really? I might uh, have accidentally. Well, that's okay, because yeah. okay, we're going to actually change it pretty soon. But it's one. Of, it's one of those things where obviously you know Chris talks about the transparency, but it allows you guys to get involved with us on a on a personal level, on on a, a level where you know you are directly impacting impacting the show and being a part of things, and know that hey, we don't we don't have to worry about download numbers. We don't have to worry about all right. Chris, did we get to you know four or five thousand downloads? Did, did we did we hit that number? Because we need to appease this app advertiser and oh wait, we can't talk about them because if we run this, we don't have to worry about that. No, we don't have to worry about that at all. Don't worry about that. And all. we also we also are able to kind of take a different approach where we can say, you know, this week we're going to talk about Iraq. Uh, not a lot of people are going to want to watch an episode about Iraq because people just don't care about the Middle East, it seems, at or, least in the U.S. But or, we can still do it because we know it's what our supporters want. Yeah, or it's one of those things where it might be a very sensitive topic, and you know what? Then all of a sudden there goes those advertisers. And if, you're, if you are an unfiltered supporter, you get that BitTorrent sync. We have, for example, in the overtime folder today, 17 clips. They just give a ton of more information yep. that I just couldn't fit in the show. It would make it way too effing long. Yeah. But it's in the supporter sync, and you get those forever, and you get to hold on to all the stuff I've clipped out, all the source for this show. Plus, you get the whole supporter show. You get the newsletter, and you get to help keep us on the air. Yeah, it's one of those great things. Now, one thing I think we need to sh- uh, touch on real quick, Chris. Patreon.com slash unfilter. Is, uh, so we, we had a shirt. Please help us and, become a patron over there. And last week, uh, it's one of those things where we were like, Oh, gosh, you know, man, I wasn't sure if we were going to get there. You know, we were a little short. We're like, well, hey, we got a week to go. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So we had a we had a special edition shirt. If you're listening to this now, you can't get it anymore, unfortunately, because it's already been sold. It's gone. See you later, alligator. has gone. Sold out. We did it. We did it. We, we did it. it. Yep. We, not only we did it, we blew through it. And, yeah. and I, I want to say, you guys, seriously, first off, uh, you know, Chris has said this across the other shows. 
This is going to be the last shirt for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to dial, dial down a little bit, but you guys wanted to have a limited special edition thing, so it's happened. Uh, these are going out the door. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's so cool. And uh, members of the Swag Club will be getting theirs. Now, Chase, uh, so please. Yes. Everybody, we could use your support over at patreon.com slash filter, and thank you to all our supporters. We really, really do appreciate it. You get a bell. Yeah, that's right. Now, we got to go back in time almost. It feels like a repeat. Back to Iraq, Chase. Uh, you, you know what that means, right, by playing that? I am that this show's going to get we pulled just out. Got pulled. I know, but it was totally worth it. I only played 10 seconds. Doesn't matter. We'll be pulled. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're going back to Iraq. I even played it low, you know? Yeah. And uh, you Google's gonna... ruthless. you got to be careful. I will. You don't screw those guys. They also pulled down the Linux Action Show last week, so oh, screw really? those guys. Yeah, yeah, I got it back up while it's under dispute. Um, so let's start off with the hell's going on. If, in terms of the U.S.'s commitment to the, to the situation in Iraq, this clip will bring you up to speed and tell you about the 275 boots on the ground that are on their way. Tonight, President Obama told Congress he is sending up to 275 soldiers and Marines to Iraq, 170 to protect Americans at the embassy in Baghdad. It is a $700 million fortress, 80 football fields in size, built to withstand attack. But tonight we have learned a significant number of the 5,000 who live and work here have been evacuated. This as the ferocious terror group ISIS took down yet another city. They are Sunni Muslims driven to crush their bitter enemy, the Shia Muslim forces of Iraq's government. As they roll, they are getting help from Sunnis across the country. It is why today America added to its list of options. The warship on the move today has five Osprey tilt rotor aircraft, which could help in an evacuation. But if the U.S. chooses to strike the militants, there is now in place a U.S. carrier able to launch 40 fighter jets to bomb the militants and two ships that can fire cruise missiles. President Obama is also considering sending 100 special operations forces to Iraq as advisors to Iraqi troops. Now, uh, the uh, 275 troops that will be deployed to Iraq will provide security for the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad, like uh, we were just told there. Uh, The quote here is, the forces deploying for the purpose of protecting U.S. citizens' property if necessary and equipment, but they are, if necessary, equipped for combat. This is according to Obama in a letter he sent to the House. Um, This is really something. So even we're talking a pretty small force here. I don't know what the exact size of the private contractor force is. But the thing that's really upsetting about this, about the situation in Iraq, um, is a lot of people, a lot of people saw this coming, including vets. Since I left the country, it's been slowly slipping um, towards this exact moment, but you could see it coming. Now, as the situation in Iraq deteriorates, many veterans like Hall and Pilak are questioning what their service accomplished. Was it a mistake to go into Iraq? I think so. And was it a mistake to leave? Yes. So how do you reconcile those two well, things? Well, you break it, you buy it, right? Well, you know, once you go in, I think America has moral responsibility. I lost my friends. I want their deaths to mean something. Um, I want my service over there to mean something. In the nine-year war, 4,400 American troops died in Iraq. More than 32,000 were wounded. And the U.S. spent more than a trillion dollars. Those are some pretty staggering numbers, and uh, it's uh, it's frustrating for these vets, and it's frustrating for any people who followed this over time to essentially watch a lot of the towns that the uh, that we lost U.S. forces in be reclaimed 
uh, by ISIS, uh, including some oil-rich provinces now have been claimed by ISIS, which obviously is going to add pressure to the situation. And they're about 45 minutes out of Baghdad right now, which uh, if ba- which I, it, I, it's inconceivable that Baghdad would fall, but if it did, it would be unbelievable. Uh, so let's, talk, let's dig a little bit into who ISIS is and how the hell they're pulling this off. ISIS emerged in Iraq right after the U.S.-led invasion and pledged its allegiance to al-Qaeda. Although the groups uh, later became rivals, it has fueled the sectarian bloodshed in the country and proclaimed an independent Islamic state spanning Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, Palestine and Jordan. ISIS has thrived during the ongoing war in neighboring Syria after gaining access to money and arms flowing into the hands of the rebels. So they are using a combination of funding from Heist. They are grabbing the weapons that we've been sending to Syria and other countries have been sending to Syria. Uh, and they are working to – they are uh, an offshoot of al-Qaeda. Is this all – you following so far? Yeah, I'm following. Yeah. It's crazy, right? And uh, ISIS is, uh, is, is a group of Iraqis and Syrians who uh, want to create, a th- in theory, I guess, a new state that they control. And they are ruthless as hell, like uh, unbelievably ruthless, brutally ruthless. They've been doing this for years. Uh, and if you wonder, like, why, if, if, if these guys are so bad and so ruthless, how can they be moving so quickly through Iraq? Like, right. it seems like, why aren't the people fighting them? Why aren't, why, why, why is it up to this, this, this shit Iraq military that is that's been junk all along. Well, wasn't it the the military that we trained in the first place? That that when the vets that we really, all, but not only that that we ra- that we put money into with pl- private independent military yeah, contractors yeah, to yeah, help yeah. secure and, yeah. and do. Yeah, and right. so it's like why? So why isn't that military? Why isn't that military able to stop them? Why aren't the people helping? I think uh, one of the key dynamics going on in Iraq right now, particularly in the Sunni part of the country, is that. You know, Sunnis fear the Iraqi government dominated by Shia political elements more than they fear ISIS. Um, You know, in 2008, 2009, the Maliki government was handed a uh, an effective strategy. Um, You know, through the uh, the Sons of Iraq, the uh, Iraqi the Sunni awakening in in Iraq, you had a dynamic where the Sunnis uh, were cooperating with the central government, Baghdad, in ways that it had not in many years. Uh, Maliki, I think, has squandered you know, that strategy. Maliki is the elected president of Iraq through a dem- dem- democratic election. PJ, this is uh, PJ Crowley, former assistant secretary of state. Instead, he's turned the uh, institutions of state against the Sunni tribes. And now uh, the, one of the reasons why ISAS has advanced you know, so rapidly through Iraq is they've got a lot of sympathy on the ground. Uh, we have some really interesting information in the show notes this week. This week, the show notes are definitely a companion oh, to the show. Oh, it's huge. And uh, we have data in there about how uh, ISIS has been funded, including, get this, Chase, look at this. Do you see what this is? This is an ISIS infograph. They actually release annual reports about their funding, about their military operations. This here tells you how many car bombings they did. How many? Uh, I actually have it for everybody here. Chase, they're see. releasing this almost. This almost doesn't pass the bullshit test. They're releasing infographs. This this ISIS group. It's almost like they're desperately seeking attention. Like, look at us. Look at us. And some people are saying, well, they're seeking that attention because they want funding. But I don't know. Well, how can you want funding when you also and uh, they just they just stole. They just had a heist of a half a billion dollars. They are now the richest terror group in the world. Okay. 
So this is all it's all packaged so neatly. It's all put together so nicely. Like here's this new terror group. Here's this great catchy name. All right. So Uh, here's their infographs from the last couple years. So are you saying it's too clean? Are you saying that there might be some outside involvement? Are you frying a little bit of conspiracy bacon that it comes from the beautiful city of Lake Stevens, Washington? What if? What if this was Russia stirring up trouble to distract the U.S. back in Iraq to keep them, to keep us off their back? Wow. No, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying it's all packaged up very nicely. That's all. Uh, and you know what? You it, know, it, it does feel too clean. It does feel very clean. Then again, then again, these guys are not necessarily new, and their tactics are brutal. Photos posted online by the militants seem to show hundreds of Iraqi government soldiers being forced to lie in a ditch, and then at least some of them being shot. Now, we cannot independently verify these images, but they appear to show a mass execution, and that is very frightening for others here who fear they could also be targets for the Islamic militants. On the road to Mosul, this is the last checkpoint before territory that's now controlled by Islamic militants. Just 10 miles away is the centre of Iraq's second largest city, which was overrun by armed extremists last week. The militants announced they'll impose strict Islamic law. Oh, good. Uh, Now, the other thing that's interesting about this is we kind of find ourselves... um, on the same side as some of our former uh, foes, uh, because guess who's fighting ISIS in Iraq right now? Iran. Iran and Assad from the Syrian government. Wow. And we're talking, at least some people are suggesting that we should work with Iran. Didn't we do this before? And uh, so here's what we need to do. is you got to bring on a former Bush administration official to tell us what went wrong and why this was a situation years in the making. Also in our Washington bureau is Juan Zarate, CBS News senior national security analyst. He is a former advisor to the George W. Bush administration. Juan, good morning. I love it. So you get in the Bush administration, you send us into Iraq, you botch the whole thing up, you get out of the Bush administration, you get a job at CBS. Juan, what went, what went wrong here? I mean, we spent $25 billion rearming the Iraqi army, training them. Um, why has it collapsed? Well, this is a crisis years in the making, unfortunately, Anthony, because you've had uh, sectarianism creeping into not just the politics, but into the military of uh, Iraq, a loss of faith and confidence in the military by the population, in particular the Sunnis. Uh, You've also had this creeping safe haven uh, coming out of western Iraq and eastern and northern Syria, uh, where this group ISIS has uh, gained strength and momentum. And so this is not just a crisis of the last couple of weeks. This is a crisis years in the making. And take a look at the uh, maps we have in the show notes. Yeah. And you can see how Iraq can get divided up. And you can Here, see I, how I got that map again. Sitting right between Syria and Iran, too. That's what's on both. Are you, are, were you talking about this map here? Oh, that one the, works, too. You yeah. can see that's the that's sort of the political and religious divisions so the, in so Iraq. The, the Sunni Kurds are, are the lighter color at the top of, of the map, and uh, the Shia Arabs are uh, at the bottom part there. And then near the center of the country, right there in Baghdad, you got the Shia Arabs and the Sunni Arabs. Uh, Arabs, And so you have this mix and this group at the top there, yeah. uh, that's the group that's coming down. And you see, the reason why this has been years in the making is you see right there about the, about the edge of the green zone, that's about where um, Saddam was born. You could see those used to be the people in power. And now those people are maybe not the majority anymore this we got in there we, sh- we 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 ripped the head off this thing we put in new people and then we got out and uh it sort of has left a power vacuum I mean, that's why people thought this was coming 
Um, and Chase, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm not really all that motivated. I'm not really feeling like we need to put a whole bunch of boots on the ground. Well, yeah, and it's one of those things where whenever we see the government putting boots on the ground, we're like, why? Yeah, well, Rogers will tell you why, because if you don't... Uh, you mean my beer buddy? Your beer buddy, Mike Rogers, yeah. he's going to suggest that we could have another 9-11. Congressman Mike Rogers, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, warned that among the militants' goals... <laughs> 9-11-style terrorist attacks on the West. These are sophisticated, command-and-controlled, seasoned combat veterans who understand the value of terrorism operations external to the region, meaning Europe and the United States. That is about as dangerous a recipe as you can put together. Okay, so Mike Rogers says the people over there, if they get a nation-state to work from, uh, they they are going to potentially launch an attack. And so one of the suggestions has been is, hey, let's not put boots on the ground, but shit, let's Get some planes in the air. The situation in Iraq is dire. Senate Republican Lindsey Graham was one of the first lawmakers to call for U.S. airstrikes. I think American air power is the only hope to change the battlefield equation in Iraq. So Graham is calling on the floor for airstrikes, uh, and uh, he goes on to say on CNN that, look, if we don't do this, he unlike unlike your buddy Rogers, who implied we'd have a 9-11, Graham goes for the kill shot and says, we're definitely going to have a 9-11 if we don't take care of this. Uh, here's my, the good news. The Iraqi people do not want to be governed by S-I-S-I-S. The Shias don't want to be governed by Iran. They actually want to move forward. We were well on our way. The lack of a residual force, this stubborn-headed president we have who thinks he knows better than everybody else, who withdrew troops and exposed this country to the inevitable, needs to change his policies quickly. If he does, we can still save this. Stubborn-headed Stubborn-headed, delusional, detached president. But wow, that's the last bad thick. thing I'm going to say. Mr. President. Yeah, let's do it again. Let's play it back. It's so fun. If he does, we can still save this. Stubborn-headed Stubborn president. Stubborn headed, delusional, detached president, <laughs> but that's the last bad thing I'm going to say. Oh, okay. Mr. President, that's it. Line a lot of there. people want to help you because we're in it together. Okay. The number of people that could die in this country from getting this wrong is going to be far greater than 4,000 because they're getting weapons they didn't have before. <clears throat> the economic chaos to the world. They're getting those weapons from... Is going to be far greater than this, and the money we spent uh, in, in saving Iraq. This is another 9-11 in the making, but get a new government in place as quickly as you can that will bring the Iraqis back together for a oh, counter Oh, another nation building because it's worked out so well for us. If we don't, God help us because we're next. If we don't, God help us because we're next. Chris, what, what was another country that we installed a government into and then Russia decided they wanted to kind of take over because they didn't really respect what the result was? What? Well, I'm sorry, what was that? Ukraine. Mm. You, you got a little... Mm. You might want to drink some water. You got some water over there, Chris? Uh, I'll tell you what the problem is, though. You want know what the problem is? What's the problem? The bomb has been asleep at the wheel. It's not like we haven't seen this problem coming for over a year. And what's the president doing? Taking a nap. Do you think the U.S. should oh, be launching airstrikes? And if not, what should the U.S. do? Well, I think what we should do uh, is to provide uh, the equipment and the technical assistance uh, that uh, the Iraqis have been asking for. And uh, by the way, the clip that I didn't make in uh, just because of time, but I do have it in the supporter sync, is uh, Lindsey Graham is pushing for us to make a deal with Iran. Uh, and McCain is not. This is like one of the first time McCain wow, and Graham they're, have... Wow, they're, they're on the opposing yeah, sides they're here. Both, they're both for air support. They both want to drop bombs. And uh, he, I was watching O'Reilly, and O'Reilly was talking to Carl Rove, uh, and, and O'Reilly asked the question, like, come on. 
we should be dropping bombs, right? I mean, it's the least we could be doing right now, right? <laughs> like, that's like, wow, dude. You guys are so hungry to kill people. Wow. It's unbelievable. And it's like we've already done so much damage. Now, the vet's argument is, well, you, you break it, you fix it. But I just, I don't know. It's unbelievable to see that we might be going back into, uh, into Iraq again. And uh, a little bonus material for Iraq. Um, I also have the pipeline layout. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that. I, I actually, I'll have it here uh, right now. You can so take a look. One of the things that's interesting is a lot of the sectarian violence falls down uh, right along these pipelines. Um, interesting. And if, yeah, and if you look at the, the the route ISIS is taking, they've started on the left of the map from Syria and worked their way up and across Iraq. And now they're working their way down, kind of like the direction the oil pipelines go in. And you know what else is interesting is some of the oil that they've already captured, they're actually selling back to the Syrian government right now. It's one of the ways they make money. Yeah, well, yeah we heard about that in the supporter show, yeah. which, by the way, you guys should definitely check out. So I thought that was particularly of interest, and we'll have uh, more info, including a pretty good write-up from Zero Hedge that kind of covers all of it in the show notes. In the notes. Uh, but before we, before we go as far as putting uh, troops on the ground... Uh, your buddy, uh, Mike Morell, former intern director, director of the CIA, uh, he chimes in with what we probably should be doing in Iraq. Oh, I want to get this for sure. So what does the United States do? What is necessary for the United States to do in, tr- in terms of equipment and men on the ground? So the best outcome here, Charlie, the best outcome here, as we talked about last night, is a diplomatic solution where you bring all the sides together and you form a new government without Maliki. Um, a new government for all Iraqis. And I want to mention a lot of people are pushing for this. And what we are saying is we went into Iraq to bring democracy to Iraq. We saved Iraq and gave them an election. And all of our hard work, we made sure that those elections could take place. And then the people voted for a president. And what we want to do now after all of that, after going to war, we want to remove that president. It seems insane to me. I mean, yeah, he does seem like a D-bag. I'll give you that. But, I mean, it seems totally insane to me. And so what Mike Morell is touching on is this talking point is the same one that uh, McCain, Graham, uh, a lot of folks are using. All the sides together and you form a new government without Maliki, um, a new government for all Iraqis. Um, That takes an awful lot of pressure on all the sides. And I think it takes some U.S. military support. Um, on the ground, which will give us more credibility in that diplomatic argument. And I think that is U.S. Special Forces on the ground advising and assisting. I think that it's intelligence support. Um, Those are the two keys, I think. We are completely run amok by our intelligence agency because what he's talking about is regime change. And regime change has become a function of our intelligence agency. And guess what? It's not worked. (sighs) No. it's not. I mean, the proof's in the pudding. The this, proof's in the pudding, this people. Th- this whole thing is such a quagmire. And I really wish, you know, if you go back through history, sometimes you will find very poignant, very intelligent analysis that sort of warns you of everything that's going to come. And you just think, God, if we just would have listened to this guy, if we just would have heard what this person had to say, and we would have, if we would have just followed his advice, we could have avoided all of this. It, it really feels like to me, and this, and this is where... You know, I've been on this planet for a while, and I remember when I was a little kid, Operation Desert Storm and Desert Shield and the big Kuwait thing and the whole nine yards. And and now looking at this today as an adult, I have so— Been following this thing for the whole time almost. Well, I have so less confidence in our government officials now more than ever. Well, when 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 it feels like to me that they're flying by the seat of their on. freaking pants. I can prove you wrong right now. In fact, okay. I'll go back. Let's. Right. Uh, I'll sh- I'll play for you a government official. Okay. That warned us of all of this. Oh, what? Somebody oh. powerful. Really? Was Somebody well known that well, said, "Don't go into Iraq. It's a quagmire." I know it was the Kai. 
Uh, no, it was Dick Cheney. Do you think that the U.S. or U.N. forces should have moved into Baghdad? No. Why not? Because if we'd gone to Baghdad, we would have been all alone. There wouldn't have been anybody else with us. It would have been a U.S. occupation of Iraq. None of the Arab forces that were willing to fight with us in Kuwait were willing to invade Iraq. Uh, once you got to Iraq and took it over and took down Saddam Hussein's government, then what are you going to put in its place? That's a very volatile part of the world, and, and if you take down the central government in Iraq, you can easily end up seeing pieces of Iraq fly off. Uh, part of it uh, the Syrians would like to have to the west, uh, part of eastern Iraq uh, the Iranians would like to claim, fought over for eight years. In the north, you've got the Kurds, and if the Kurds spin loose and join with the Kurds in Turkey, then you threaten the territorial integrity of Turkey. It's a, it's a quagmire if you go that far and try to take over <laughs> Iraq. The other thing was casualties. Uh, everyone was impressed with the fact that uh, we were able to do our job with as few casualties as we had. But for the 146 Americans killed in action and for their families, it wasn't a cheap war. And the question for the president in terms of whether or not we went on to Baghdad and took additional casualties in an effort to get Saddam Hussein was how many additional dead Americans is Saddam worth? And our judgment was uh, not very many, and I think we got it right. Too bad we didn't listen to Dick Cheney, huh? Explain to the people, because we don't have cameras on this show. I'd say you look a little surprised. A little. Uh, here's the best part. I'm with Dick. So that's Dick in 1994. You what, know what the hell? You know what makes that clip even better? Is That means he advised Bush to go into Iraq knowing, knowing the exactly results. what would happen. Yeah. Knowing what they were committing us to for the next decade or perhaps more. He knew. You, he not only knew, he yeah. knew exactly what's happening right now. He, he, he drove, he, 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 he could have like etched this in ink, in steel, welded it all up, gave you the book. Dick Here's Cheney the called roadmap. it. He called it. Isn't that something? What the? Doesn't that make you mad? <laughs> so, yeah, but you know, blame wow. Obama. <laughs> you know what? Thanks, Obama. <laughs> Uh, anyways, you can grab that if you're an unfiltered supporter. That'll be in the bit torn. Incredible. Soon. I'd say add that to your personal collection. Uh, hey, Chase, uh, that's been really heavy. And I, we're going to follow the Iraq stuff. And I understand. We'll continue to watch but, the U.S.'s response to this. But, but Chris, isn't it better to end on a high note? Ah, I think so, Chase. In fact, watch out. This, this is, is CNN Breaking News. Uh, Chase, in yes. the Breaking News studio, it turns out the Canadian researchers are on their way to invent a weed breathalyzer. Nice. Researchers in Canada are working on a new breathalyzer that can tell if a person is high on marijuana. This new technology will hopefully help law enforcement crack down on people who might be driving under the influence of pot. Mm. Right now, police rely on blood tests and often inaccurate mouth swabs for criminal prosecution. Few drivers suspected of smoking marijuana face a penalty higher than a 24-hour driving suspension. What? Researchers hope the new technology will force people to think twice about using drugs and driving. They're not afraid to drug and drive because they don't drive. feel that law enforcement will do anything about it. These researchers hope to have the breathalyzer in front of the Canadian Minister of Justice and the National Highway Traffic Safety Authority within a year and a half. Oh, watch out, Chase. That's, that's from our local affiliate. Yep. Uh, but, you know, the, uh, the interesting thing here that he said in that piece, a 24-hour ban... I don't believe that. I mean, it, here's the thing: if a cop pulls you over, yeah. okay, let's say, let's say I was smoking some marijuana and I just smoked it. I had a huge what? What do you call those bowls? Sure, or a spiff. Right. Maybe you had a nice spiff. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't, don't care. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, so let's say I had a huge bowl spiff a combo, a pot brownie. I had I had Fo a, followed with pot ice cream with I mean and pot water. 
<laughs> and I and I get pulled over, and I'm like sweet, uh, swerving, sweeping. Well, yeah, see, I'm already on it now, right? I'm already all over the road, okay. and then I get pulled over. I don't pass a, a sobriety test or whatever. That's a DUI. Yes. That's not a 24-hour ban. That's a DUI. Right. So I don't understand this whole 24-hour ban crap. From driving? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a DUI. You're arrested. Your, your car's gone. I mean, DUI- And it's gown. DUI's not just alcohol. It's- Driving under the influence. Maybe they're gonna add, maybe they're gonna add a little something on top of it. It's called the cannabis breathalyzer too. Cannabis with an X. Why didn't we think of this, Chris? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I mean, this is one of those things where does this run on Arduino? Is this open source? <laughs> oh, maybe there's a Linux angle. Yeah. All right, uh, you guys, uh, you guys owe me this week. I watched way more Hillary Clinton than I want to watch ever. I saw her earlier today. Uh, she's been doing her book tour stuff, and she's been talking about Benghazi. So I've been looking to see if there's anything worth bringing to your attention. Um, and I just. You know, CNN has like become the weed network now, so they got her. This is CNN weeding news, man. Uh, so they got her on there, and they asked her, uh, "If you were going to guess, what do you think Hill Dog's views are on uh, marijuana, on 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 cannabis? What do you think, Chase?" Uh, I think they're 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 positive, and the reason why is because we know her hubby, Bill. <laughs> Tried it, but didn't inhale. Okay, all right. Okay, so you think you think she you think she's okay with it? Really? I, I you think uh, a presidential candidate's going to go up on stage and think she's okay with uh, weed? That's a that's a bold choice. We'll see what she says. And survey so says. <laughs> what are your outlooks? There there are younger people here who can <laughs> understand this and answer it. Go ahead. What are your outlooks on recreational and medicinal marijuana, and how does it make you feel that states are now legalizing pot for both uses? Well, at the risk of committing radical candor. Um, That's what we want here. Yes. Well, I have to say, I, I think we need to um, be very clear uh, about the benefits of marijuana use for medicinal purposes. I don't think we've done enough uh, research yet, although I think for people who are in extreme medical conditions and have anecdotal evidence that it works, uh, there should be availability under appropriate circumstances. Uh, but I do think we need more research because we don't know how it interacts with other drugs. There's a lot that we don't know. So on medicinal, on medicinal purposes, on recreational, you know, states are the laboratories of democracy. We have at least two states that are experimenting with that right now. I want to wait and see what the evidence is. Do you want to wait and try it? You said you've Absolutely. never smoked. <laughs> No, that that, that uh, I didn't do when I was young. I'm not going to start now. <laughs> yeah, right. You didn't. I've seen the pictures. So, so do I get a half win on that? Yeah, I think so. I get a half I, win. I actually kind of liked her state answer. Pretty safe answer overall, though. Pretty damn well, safe. Well, obviously, she wants to appease to, to those crossover groups that uh, are not well, fully comfortable. And I think and- the Hill Dog campaign knows that one of the things that's going to eat her alive is she doesn't really appeal to younger voters. First of all, I mean... She's just kind of too, you know, her, she was a long time ago. Right. And second of all, um, you know, I think Elizabeth Warren's going to give her a run for money for the younger. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. You know, one of the things I like to follow with the whole cannabis legalization is the whole um, economics angle of it, because I yeah. think that's what's going to drive um, sort of cannabis legalization. I, mean, I, I know we got a story here about Denver, uh, but, you know, there was a, a, a situation. There was a kind of a conference thing that happened down near SeaTac. A I situation wanna... room? <laughs> no. Okay, because I no, I know you have it. I have a you, you have an itchy trigger. Face. I just have a situation room, but you know, I I we can do it a situation room for this. Well, that's not that interesting. That's uh, fair enough. Uh, so because this is just something that happened. So it turns out there's angel investors who are exclusively investing in cannabis business. I uh, so this one of them is Tony uh, Dayton. 
or Troy Dayton, sorry. He's the CEO of ArcView Group, which provides angel investments for the cannabis industry. And they just had a, se- a summit in uh, Colorado. He said that his group has raised $10 million already for cannabis investments this year. At Mile High Station. Oh, and he thinks that the uh, cannabis business is going to grow from $1.5 billion in 2013 to $2.6 billion this year. And that's just oh, I, I think that's he, recreational. That's he, not even medical. And I think he's absolutely correct. And you know what? I think any, any, any angel investment group who gets involved here and obviously this is just opinion of course don't take my financial Rhythm advice i think it's you know it's one of those things where if you have the money to put into this i mean you've we've already seen the history of results so far from colorado and they've been hugely positive yeah, yeah. huge i mean they're bringing in tourists people are coming into the state they're pulling the liver and they're going high 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 that's what they're doing <laughs> That's yeah, what they're, they're doing. making money, uh, and it's it's not likely that the, it's going to turn around. And so uh, that's why some people are saying that this is. I mean, hey man, maybe Bitcoin isn't working out for you. Maybe you should be investing in weed stocks. That's what this one investor says. In fact, he says it's hotter than dot com stocks Ooh, ever were. Wow! With recreational marijuana already legal in Colorado and Washington, and efforts to legalize its use underway in as many as a dozen other states, startup businesses and their financial backers are scrambling to get in on the ground floor of a newly legitimate industry. Paul Salman recently met up with a few. It's part of his ongoing reporting, Making Sense of Financial News. And weed. This is a unique moment in history, and these days will never return again. This is like the Wild West right now, right? Unfolding before our eyes. A flock of gung-ho investors who've traveled to a hotel north of Boston to hear product pitches in an industry that until recently was strictly illicit. It's a really, really beautiful scene to look out and see the people who are shaping the next great American industry, the cannabis industry. Troy Dayton is co-founder of ArcView Investors, which vets and funds cannabis entrepreneurs. (laughs) Just a year ago, Dayton noted, we had 40 people in a conference room, and now we have over 200 people out there today. The last few months, the interest level from investors has been astounding. Hello, everybody. Presumably that's because legal (laughs) recreational pot is finally here. Got some legal weed. Only in Colorado and Washington for now. But, says the Marijuana Policy Project's Rob Campia... We expect to legalize marijuana in Rhode Island and Alaska this year. Oh! And we'll probably end up with about 12 states over the next four years. This sets the stage for a gold rush that could conceivably rival the repeal of prohibition. In Colorado alone, state officials predict a billion dollars in sales and over $100 million in tax revenues this very first year. How about that? You know, the one thing is, as more states pass this... When when is it going to be the tipping point where the federal government says, all right, we need to make a change on the federal rules here? When is it going to happen when things can start to get challenged? Because you're already running into weird situations where, and it's already happened here, where you know, with, with guns, for example, somebody wanted to get a legal gun, mm-hmm. and we talked about it on the show last week. Mm-hmm. What if someone wants to get a job, say, with a state agency? And they've done marijuana. It, it's a very, very weird state right now. And yeah. I'm hoping, as more states pass this, 
you know, we'll get a clear picture. What you could do is go get that job at the breathalyzer place because they're going to need somebody that's stoned. The, the only problem is that's Canada and, you know, work visas oh, and all that Canada's kind of great. Yeah, well, I know I like Canada. Don't get me wrong. But they have internet caps. Um, so I, I, I wanted to, uh, I just wanted to kind of, uh, kind of bookend by a, a look at the subreddit because we had a really great turnout in the subreddit oh. this week. Now, before, before you get into it, I want to, I want to point out to one thing. What's that? We talk about the subreddit every single week. Yeah. We always talk about how many readers we have in the subreddit. Yeah, that's usually a thing. I thought we'd just stop doing that, no, though. No, I know, we did, but... But oh, now we're doing oh, it? Oh, no, I want to focus on one thing. Okay, wait. Do I, Is this breaking news? This is breaking news. Are you sure? Is it the Fox variety or the CNN variety? This is... I, yeah, I, I'm always partial to CNN. Sorry, we already did CNN. We already did it. Fox News alert. What's we want to let you guys know that we are now at Leet Readers. That's oh, right. That's we cool. are at Leet. Check that out. Leet. Uh, yeah, see? Leet Readers Fox great. News alert. Fox News alert. Uh, no. Uh, so, uh, first of all, the Mike Rogers clips that uh, we uh, played at the top of the show, um, I found those clips because of the video that's linked by the story that uh, Fallen Zero uh, submitted and also was our top voted story. Nice. Yeah. So, that was really a nice contribution to the show today. Yeah. And I just wanted to especially thank uh, Fallen Zero for that. Also, there's a st- there's two stories that did not make it into the show this week, but um, – I wanted to give you a little extra call out. Uh, the first one was the Pentagon is preparing for a mass civil breakdown. Did you read this story? No. It's on The Guardian, and they're essentially drafting up plans for, like, chaos. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so that's worth a read. And then also uh, a story that's no longer um, – this is about during – when Snowden was in transit between China and Russia, Yeah. the, C- the CIA had their rendition, rendition jets – that's their ones that they grabbed to take people to torture them. Right. They have them on standby in Europe waiting to snap up uh, Snowden. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So wow. That, that story is, so good stories in the subreddit. Also a story about a bank robber suspect who wants his NSA phone records. We've actually talked about that one, but just briefly. Yeah. I mean, the, the unfiltered subreddit has turned into a thing of its own. I mean, we, we talk about it every single week, and uh, thanks to you guys building it up, because really it's, it's turned into an awesome place to go, yeah. and a lot of people have been checking it out. It's unfiltered.reddit.com in case you don't know about it. And mm-hmm. really jump into it because it's so much fun. And then I wanted to also take care of a little business that I meant to cover in episode 100 is I thought it would be a good idea to kind of cover some basics for maybe new listeners. Oh. Uh, so the first one was uh, I've been asking folks for Tech Talk today, and it worked out really well. And I'd like to do it for Unfiltered, too. If I actually really hate asking this, so I don't ask it very often. And you know as a podcaster, it's something you should almost ask every episode, and that's for ratings and reviews in the iTunes. Oh, God. Store. I know, right? Chase just, Chase just dropped the mic. Uh, and I want to specifically call I, I know, out— I know. It's so tough. I, I hate it. Because, first of all, my audience is not big on the iTunes to begin with, and I totally grok because I'm not either. But the, I, I think this audience—we uh, have a big cross-section because, I, obviously, we have the core people JB community. People have access. We have the core JB community, but yeah. I know we've also brought in people from outside the JB yeah. community because of the nature of the show. So um, what I would like to ask, and I, I really do hate to do this, but it would really help us if you would go into iTunes and find the unfiltered MP3 feed. Let's everybody focus just on one feed because— you don't want to distribute the ratings and reviews because the way it works is when, when a podcast starts getting ratings and reviews, it goes up further in the charts. And so I asked folks to do this for Tech Talk Today, and Tech Talk Today has been on the front page of the technology section and iTunes. Oh, Bob's your high uncle, High fives, dude. So is- I know it's great, and it brings thousands of new people to the show. So I would love to get some more folks to find uh, us. And iTunes is really just kind of for now. It's like the place people find podcasts. Uh, un- unfortunately, it's about. 85%. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really it's, high. It's kind of like YouTube is for video, uh, for podcasts. So there's two things you can do. You can just rate. You can just you know click on the number of stars. You don't have to do, write anything. 
But if you do feel comfortable, you can definitely write something too and just yeah. say, hey, I love the show. Keep up the great work. You yeah. know, thinking like that. Uh, and the other thing is, is I, I want to uh, start encouraging emails again because I want to start incorporating those back into the show some more. So go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact and let us know your thoughts on stuff. You can also engage us on the Unfiltered subreddit, unfiltered.reddit.com. We will post each episode there and there is the, uh, you can just leave your feedback in that episode's thread if you yep. like. Yeah. So lots of some easy ways to get a hold of us, but we'd like to hear some more from you guys. Well, we like to engage the community, and you know the one thing I know that Chris doesn't want to do is as you know we we keep reaching and we keep getting bigger, and you know people more and more people jump into the show. We always want to stay grounded, and we like to stay. Gotta in keep it real, man. Got to keep it real. Got to keep it real with the peeps. Uh, and uh, I know we have some vets out there too who listen. I think we might even. I'm sure we probably have some active service members too. Oh, I know we do. I know we've gotten emails from vets. I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts on the Iraq situation too, so I can help uh, kind of you know form what I think about it. Right. Because this is one of these things where I can see it from the um, you know you broke it, you own it standpoint. Yeah. And so now it's sort of like incumbent upon us to help. How, this, how do you feel? Say, all right, well, we don't put boots on the ground, but we go ahead and bomb from the air. What? What I, about that? I, I just. It's such a weird situation. How like we were in there, we left, and now it's falling the apart. Thing is, is like it, ISIS is either totally fake and 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 a big scam, or it's like the most legit actual. Like Al Qaeda is is known as a creation from the U.S. Like that's that's something now, we know. Of, but ISIS actually seems legit. Like when, when it's you their say, territory. But when you say fake, do you mean fake as in something that we came up with or something I don't else think entirely? So. I don't know. I'm just saying. It, yeah. I mean, how weird is that? It's a, there's a terrorist organism out there that releases uh, Q Q four like statements and stuff. I mean, that just seems unbelievable to me. It's very weird. Um, but anyways. Um, I go. What I go back to is they do seem like a bad group of people, and I just don't know. It's such a horrible quagmire. I wish we'd never gone in there. Is what I really wish. It's uh, yeah, yeah. And we cannot. You know, they say hindsight's twenty twenty. Well, we we can never you know predict what would have happened if we didn't. You know, it sounds like a weird Star Trek episode if we try to change history. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, it's something we'll just keep watching, and yep. uh, we'll try not to make it too much of a downer for you guys, but we'll try to keep you updated on the yep. stuff that's relevant. And particularly, our strong suit is generally um, kind of gauging the U.S.'s response and sort of uh, wading those waters and then helping people outside the U.S. kind of understand I mean, what the hell we're up to and people in the U.S., what yeah. the hell we're up to. And we pull it from everywhere. Yeah. I mean, we let's let's. I mean, I'm going back to the supporter show and kind of incorporating everything, but are we pulled from the Young Turks? Uh, then we pulled from Fox News. Alex Jones. Uh, who Glenn else? Beck. Glenn Beck. RT. Uh, then, we, then we had RT. CN, ABC. We had CNN, Lots ABC, CNN NBC. Week. Mostly CNN this week. Yeah. But yeah, some NBC in there. I mean, sometimes some democracy now. Yeah. Oh, Rachel Maddow. Don't forget we about her. We had some Maddow. Uh, so, we had the BBC. We often, we didn't any, any this week, but we often have the CBC. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty common one, too. Um, so it really, we try to pull from all sources. And, you know, this week, I definitely felt like I, I wanted to keep it focused, but there's so much content that we could have easily done two shows this week. And I'd love to get to that point because I really think there's a slight restructuring I could see in the shows the way we do them. But uh, there's so much stuff in the supporter sync this week that I, I would love to be able to cover in a full show itself and dedicate a full show to exploring those topics. It's just a little cramped right now. But you can go to patreon.com slash unfilter and help us get there. Yeah, our, our ultimate goal is if we got to two shows a week, that's our 5,000 goal. Uh, but it's one of those things for us. It's, you get, you know, more more uh, more time you put into it, the more money it costs. You know, it's just the nature of the beast. So Very good. Yeah. All right, Mr. Chase. I'll leave it at that. I just wanted to cover some yeah. business that we haven't really addressed for a little while. And I kind of felt like... Uh, it was good for people who, because I, I think I, I think we have some new viewers. We have yeah, some new viewers. Well, we do. We have a lot of great people. I know some of my friends listen to the show, and they 
They appreciate my insight. But one of those things, again, we will remind you guys, you can be part of the community either on Patreon, patreon.com slash unfilter, or unfilter.reddit.com. And another great way to engage is to join us live. We do this show over jblive.tv yeah. on a Wednesday. Yeah. Today we started about 6 o'clock p.m. Yeah, actually, I think it was like quarter till. It yeah, was, it, it depends on how big the supporter show is going to be. So yeah. uh, show up at jblive.tv, you know, maybe an hour before you, the show you, starts. If just you put showed, the stream, stream on and go do If you showed something. up early, you would have heard one of my greatest stories. Yeah. yeah. Well, and jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar will get you the time in your local time. But we'd love to have you join us live and hang out in our chat room and participate with the conversation, even if the IRC room does lock up a little bit from time to time. Now, Chris, you know, heard nobody another cares. way that people might want to interact with you and the show is maybe on Twitter. Boom, twitter.com slash Chris L-A-S. That's right. And by the way, you just retweeted out the Fire Phone. Oh, yeah. I forgot to tweet that we were live today. Aw. Usually I would do that. Yeah, so that's know. another <laughs> way you can find out when we're live. <laughs> yeah. And even if the time's a little variable. What about you? Are you on? Uh, I love the Twitters. I give everybody three bonus characters. Nice. So follow me. At Innovative, Nunes, Chase, N-U-N-E-S, really. N-U-N-E-S. And I decided to switch up my back uh, background this week. I went with gosh, a beautiful nice. picture of a... F- I took that picture, I by the way. I want to get on a boat. I want to go on a boat. I want to go on a what boat. What about like online doing like shows? Maybe. Oh, man. I've been posting some great uh, tech overviews. Uh, we just re- did a E3 wrap-up show. E3 wrap-up. We talked about all the big games, especially we loved Mario Maker. We talked about that again. Ah, uh, shoot. Nice. Gamer.tv. Very, very good. Uh-huh. And uh, I encourage you guys to go over and check out Tech Talk Today, new show on the network, and check out last week's Chase joined me all week to talk about E3 if you're curious and, about and that. You know, I might come back. Oh, that'd be great. You know, you guys should come back next week and join us every single week. We'd love that, too. Oh, yeah. You guys make it possible. We thank you so much for supporting the show. See you right back here next, next week. week. And that's our show. Last chance to bang suggest chat room and let's go to jbtiles.com and boat. A uh, little inside info. About halfway through the show, I had some severe abdominal pain. Oh, I'm sorry, Chase. No, I mean, I was, I was, I was, Yikes. yeah, it got, re- it was like really bad. I was just like, oh my God, I don't feel so good. I hate it when that happens. Yeah. You all right now? No, I'm fine. Yeah, we didn't plug in. <laughs> we did plug in the supporter show. Uh, back to Iraq. What do you think of that? Back to Iraq. Back to Iraq. Yeah, with maybe a little Lindsey Graham in there for. A I, photo. You know what? I I think that's perfect. Honestly, it's it's direct and to the point. Yeah, I bet we do. I, I bet we have a ninety percent chance this show gets pulled down. But it's just like you know what? If I can't play ten seconds of a song, screw it. It's not worth being on their dumb service, anyways. Fate. If you're talking about Mr. John Kessler, uh. Probably not. He doesn't listen to any podcasts, to be honest with you. Uh, Shiites versus Sunnis. Pipeline of War. How like great it. was that Cheney clip, though? Gosh, it's just... I couldn't believe it. I was just dumbfounded. I know. The guy I knew... was dumbfounded. I have a secret for you. I don't think it's the first time I played on the show. I, I don't... We've done a lot of repeat clips. No, no, we have not. We've done, like, three, and that's one of them. That's a lot. Um, 16 pages of show notes today. That's it? <laughs> Huge show notes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well.
JBTitles.com. JBTitles.com. Does everybody go to JBTitles.com, please? Uh, all right. Man, what a hell of a week this has been. Ooh, I tell you. Hardware failures galore. JBTitles. JBTitles. JBTitles.com. All right, let's refresh this and see where we're at, and then we'll uh, pick it. Bowling for Baghdad. Hey, how about that that great song, uh, "Bombs Over Baghdad"? You want to do "Bombs Over Baghdad"? That's that's another. That's a big song. Who, who now, maybe we should save that till when we actually drop bombs. That'll probably be next week. <laughs> oh, I think we do "Back to Iraq." I like that. I like back to Iraq, too. All right. Good pick, SMB in FLA. Hey, shameless plug. If you guys like Minecraft, join me tomorrow, 8 p.m. Pacific time at geekgamer.tv. We do Minecraft stuff. hey Live is. And if you haven't had a chance yet, check out How to Linux. Linux. Jupiter Broadcasting Show about my transition over to the Linux world. Holy crap. Are you serial? Yeah. You guys serial. check it out. Oh, oh, that's, no? that's not what we that's not what we play to play us out. Oh, okay, all right. I just was trying to change it up. You know, would you want to learn about how ting rates work? Ting keeps rates. No, okay, all right. Only we- if there's a video that goes with yeah, it. Yeah, all right, okay, fine. All right, guys, we're gonna get the f out of here. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks so much, you guys. Thank you to our supporters. Thank you to our live streamers. And remember, <laughs> get your pets spayed and neutered. <laughs> Good night, everybody. I'm Bob Barker. Good night. <laughs>